This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode of Astronomy Cast is sponsored by REN, a company that is striving to make it easier for all of us to understand our carbon footprint and take actions to mitigate our individual effects on the planet. As someone who has traveled a lot for work, I know I have an oversized impact, and as I experience record breaking heat here in the American Midwest, I know that my travel and the travel of all the other frequent flyers out there has added up to play some small role in what we're experiencing. Sure, I know industry is the big impactor, but as a scientist, I also understand the smallest changes can be the tipping point between different futures. And with REN, I can help to do my small part creating the future I want. REN is a website where you calculate your carbon footprint, then offset it by funding projects that plant trees, protect rainforests, and remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Signing up to REN is an easy way to start doing something about our climate crisis. By answering a few questions about your lifestyle on REN, you can find out your carbon footprint and how you can reduce it. None of us can really reduce our carbon footprint to zero, but you can offset the impact you're having. Once you sign up to make a monthly contribution to offset your carbon footprint, you'll receive monthly updates from the tree planting, rainforest protection, and carbon removal projects you support. You get to see the trees you planted and what your money is spent on. It will take a lot to end the climate crisis. And you can start helping today by learning more at ren.co slash astro. That's W-R-E-N dot C-O slash astro. If you sign up using our link and tell Ren we sent you, Ren will plant 10 extra trees in your name. That link again is ren.co slash astro. Astronomy Cast, episode 650 first light for JWST. 
Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today. I've been a space and astronomy journalist for over 20 years. With me, as always, is Dr. Pamela Gay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing? I am doing well. I, I am super excited. This is the last episode of our 15th season, and we finally have data from a telescope that we expected to present the data like 10 years ago. All right, but well, let's finally, get into it. Finally, we yeah. have it. Well, this is it. We are finally going to talk about the James Webb Space Telescope. After decades of development, delays, budget creep, the powerful infrared observatory is at its final home at the L2 Lagrange point. Yesterday, at the time that we're recording this, we saw the first scientific images from the telescope. And according to Pamela's rules, we're finally allowed to talk about it. Now, I got to apologize if if people hear some like wind noise during this episode. I'm recording this outside uh, while people are working on our studio. So it's going to anyway, hopefully this will be the last time, the first and last (laughs) time you hear this kind of of audio quality. All right, Pamela, I, I like I need you to like say the words. Does does James Webb exist now? Well, James Webb is dead. The JWST is functional and hanging out at Lagrange, too. And it is a so far fully functional space telescope. We did it. We did it. Well, we had nothing to do with it. Other people did it, and they should be proud. Yeah, absolutely. So so where were you yesterday, I guess, watching those first images come in? I was in this very chair doing a watch party for twitch.tv slash CosmoQuestX, where we watched everything come in together. I did the same thing for President Biden's extraordinarily delayed release of the very first image on Monday. And um, yeah, now I'm happy to finally get to say, okay, I have actually let myself learn things about the mission. And we have stuff to discuss. You've been learning things about the mission this entire time. You just I know, I know. You just have these rules that you don't that you don't like to be disappointed and talk about missions that haven't delivered science data. And that's fine. That's your rule. <laughs> we will uh, we'll we'll give you that. You're the expert. But now now you've got to play by Fraser's rules. So yeah. um, so so what did we see yesterday? So so yesterday, it started out with a whole lot of, hurrah, it works, and getting to meet and greet a whole lot of people around the world as they talked about this telescope they've been working on building. And then they launched straight into the images. And one of the things that I kindly wish they'd done that we're going to do here today, and for those of you listening on the podcast, all of the images that I'm showing on the YouTube, you can get on our website, astronomycast.com. The thing I wish they had really done is shown us what the state of the art was prior to JWST yeah. getting its happy little mirrors on what it was looking at. Yeah, we did that on our on our YouTube. Like we did a YouTube episode video yesterday on on my channel and we did that we just compared each time with the stuff that we had known about previously and and so they started out with smacks zero two three dot three dash seven three two seven 
This is a galaxy cluster that was observed as part of the Hubble Relics Project, which was using gravitational lensing by relatively near galaxy clusters to try and identify what are the sources that ionized our universe into being transparent uh, when it reionized? So uh, this is a known massive galaxy cluster. It is about 4 billion light years away. It is known to have a handful of these super cute little gravitational lens background objects in it. And then JWST spent a few hours looking at it and greatly um, increased both the resolution and the depth with which we're able to see this field, demonstrating JWST's one-two punch on its predecessors. And with this new image, we're seeing um, kind of endless arcs of these gravitationally lensed galaxies as well as exceptional detail on the galaxies within the cluster itself. And this is one of those images that leads me both sad that we're not looking directly at like a Hubble deep field where we'd be able to see these extremely distant galaxies without the distortions of gravitational lensing. But at the same time, it's like now we can get data on the merger process in this 4 billion light year away cluster that we didn't have before. And we get to see in a very short exposure, remarkably gravitationally lensed objects. There wasn't a whole lot of science released yesterday, but I am guessing that in the coming weeks and months, we are going to get, and JWST saw the furthest, faintest, reddest, most active all the adjectives galaxy from the early universe that has ever been seen. Yeah. I I think it was important. People got a little confused, especially on like online, just about what was going on here. Like this was a 12.5 hour exposure from Webb, which is the equivalent of a three week observation by Hubble, but Hubble never did a three week observation on this object. Correct. And so, and so, but but essentially, Webb in in just half a day did a Hubble deep field, and it can do them whenever it wants, wherever it wants, all the time. And so, it hasn't even done its version of the deep field. That that that's coming in the future when it spends three weeks staring at some point in the sky. And it's extraordinarily important to note this is not a deep field. Hubble deep field images. It it involved finding the darkest, most empty points on the sky possible and pointing Hubble at those absolutely empty to other telescopes parts of the sky. Here, they they purposely here, they purposefully pointed at a known to be extremely crowded part of the sky. They knew there was a relatively close galaxy cluster. They're just after the awesome gravitationally lensed objects. All right. What was the next image? So 
They, they actually didn't go to an image next. They instead went to a spectra of uh, WASP-96b. This is one of two known exoplanets that don't have clouds in their atmosphere. This is a hot Saturn orbiting its star every few days on an orbit that makes Mercury's orbit look huge. Yeah. Now, the reason they looked at this is as the star's light shines through the atmosphere of that hot Saturn, of that gas giant, the starlight passes through the atmosphere, allowing us to see what molecules are in that atmosphere absorbing out light. And in this case, one of those molecules happens to be water vapor. So they spotted a ton of water vapor and demonstrated that, yes, JWST can indeed take spectra of extrasolar planets' atmospheres. And the thing that I really liked about this is that the entire transit took six and a half hours. Yeah. And, and Webb was able to just watch the whole thing from the beginning of the transit through all the way out to the other side of the transit. And this is, this is not something that Hubble can do because no. Hubble is is orbiting around the Earth. And so unless the object is lined up in a way that it can see it for the entire orbit... Hubble can only see it for 45 minutes at a time, and then the Earth is blocking its view and it has to go look at something else. Right. And, and so you can never get this just continuous observation. And so, like, we're just in the infancy of observing the atmospheres of extrasolar planets. It's only been done a couple of times. Hubble's done it. Spitzer's done it. Yeah. And not to this level of, of sensitivity. And, and so to be able to see all these separate absorption lines of water to really know what's going on in the upper atmosphere of the planet. This is, it's groundbreaking, but I'm sure for a lot of people it, it was underwhelming because this is not what they were expecting. They were hoping to see a little planet with the clouds and, no. and aliens running around on it. But, but no, you just get really, Spectra. but yeah, really good confirmation that there's water vapor in the atmosphere yes. of another planet. And, and that is, is exciting. Fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and it's in the comparison to Spitzer that you're completely right. This is what we need to be comparing this to. And with Stefan's Quintet, which is the object I personally was most looking forward to, the reason I was super looking forward to it is in the Spitzer image, that sucker has a smiley face. It's a super smiley, smiley face. This, this field of view, which is familiar to most amateur astronomers, has five different galaxies. One of them loves to get cut off on the images. There's a blue one. It's an interloper. It's not actually part of the gravitationally bound group. But this other line of systems... Uh, it includes two that are clearly interacting close together, and and their cores in in the Spitzer image appear like little eyeballs, and a shockwave they're generating makes a smiley face, and and in the Spitzer image we were able to confirm something that we'd seen in radio that. Chandra's image, uh, which often gets superimposed on top of a Hubble image, Chandra had seen this blue wall between some of the merging systems. Spitzer saw it as a green wall between the systems. And that wall isn't visible in the optical images like you can take with a backyard telescope. 
And we've been trying to figure out what the heck that wall is. And I was hoping that JWST could tell us. I was hoping that JWST would have an even better smiley face. And here, the release of the JWST image was nothing I had hoped for, but still very cool. Because yes, it totally saw the wall between the objects. They weren't able to say for certain what kind of shockwave it was yesterday, but what they were able to do instead was say, hey, let's look in detail at that northmost in the image galaxy. And when we do that, we can see jets coming out of the disk of the galaxy that are probably being caused by that galaxy actively feeding as material is sent careening into the core of the galaxy during this merger so many of the galaxies in this group and what i what i found really interesting about this image i mean stefan's quintet this is as you said this is an object you could see with an amateur telescope it's been known about yeah. for hundreds of years i've taken pictures of it it looks really cool um yeah but but to to see it with this level of detail, you're seeing four galaxies interact with each other with tidal tails and streams and gas shuttling between the, the galaxies. You're seeing them tearing each other apart and one of and material is streaming into this black hole and you're getting these jets. And and this is very rare now for a large cluster of galaxies to be doing this so close to us. You know, the, gal- yeah. the universe is so much less dense today than it was back in the early history. But if you look back to just a few billion, not even, just a few hundred million years after the Big Bang, you're going to see much more of this. And so to find an example that's close gives a really good fingerprint for them when they see these things so much farther away to go, okay, yeah, this is like Stefan's Quintet, but just at the very beginning of the universe. And so it's really valuable to be able to see something like this so close, but then to be able to compare it to to what the real data, I guess the really, you know, what web was designed for is to see the stuff that is just a few hundred million years after the Big Bang. And and it's it's just kind of awesome that we're going to learn all these details we didn't know. And it, it, it's sad to me that we didn't get enough science out of this yesterday. They went, they took these snapshots, they presented them, went, aren't these gorgeous? We went, yes. And our first episode of our 16th season coming September, 2022 is hopefully going to highlight a ton of science. science. I wish we had more science. Well, like, so Webb has a, has a spectrograph that can do 100 galaxies simultaneously. Yes. So in that image of SMAX, it can, it can analyze the spectra, the chemical fingerprints of, of a hundred galaxies at a time in that image. It can do this. It can do so much science, but I'm sure the way this worked was they gathered the data, they did a quick image processing so that we could even see it, but now astronomers are going to be spending probably decades in some of these pictures studying all everything that was gathered. And these are just five images. Like, my mind is blown at how <laughs> much at how much science is going to be happening from this telescope. All right, what was the next image? So, so the the next image they gave was actually a um, 
Planetary Nebula. This is the Southern uh, Ring Nebula. It looks exceedingly similar to the Ring Nebula next to uh, Vega and the constellation Lyra. They're slightly, slightly different. I'm not sure how you pick one over the other. And in the Hubble image that we have, you can see it's a cool system. It has a binary star in its core, the white dwarf of the binary systems hanging out, being little tiny and faint, barely visible. And there's cool detail, but when we switch from that Hubble image over to instead looking at a JWST image, what we see is all of those ring structures are no longer nice, smooth rings, but are instead these lacy, filamentary structures. And we start to be able to see how this planetary nebula was exhaled in puffs (laughs) with a variety of different layers in the system. And, And that little white dwarf suddenly pops out becoming visible and what i love about this one is one of hubble's key directives one of its raison d'etre was to figure out what the heck is going on with planetary nebula which basically looked like really fascinating smudges from the surface of the earth yeah yeah it was one of the science schools for hubble and it didn't quite get there. It, it got us further along the path but there's still a whole lot of we do not know what is going on yeah this quick image starts to tell us that JWST is going to provide us a lot of detail to probably initially confuse us a whole lot more, but eventually allow us so much greater of an understanding. And and again, like what you're seeing is you're seeing these shells of material that were blown out by the star each time it puffed out as a red giant and then collapsed back down and then puffed out and each one threw this shell out into space and the chemical composition of each one of those shells is going to be a little bit different based on this phase that the star was in you're watching the final evolution of this star as it is proceeding to its death and and then astronomers can look at each little piece of this picture and run the story backwards to and then use that to look for other stars to see if they're what phase of their stellar evolution they're in as they're going through their their death throes and could give us a much better sense of when stars are 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 about to die and it's i don't know it's I can't think of like all I can think of are like morbid versions, right? You're like looking at a rotting corpse. Well, <laughs> we we are. It's like a CSI episode where they're like measuring the which kinds of bugs are eating the the body, but but a star. But here we use what ionization level indicates the temperature of the system, so we can measure the cooling. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> but bugs, yeah, yeah, ionization, bugs, bugs. same thing. Yeah, exactly. And I also love that bonus that they were able to see the binary star at the heart yeah. of this of this nebula. And, so and it just makes me wonder how much of the chaos we see is actually planetary nebula inside of planetary nebula from binary systems like that creating the things that have been confusing us for decades. And like one of those big questions right now is like, what does the future hold for the sun? Will we make one of these when the sun dies? Or was this binary star key in whipping up the material and firing it out into these interesting shells? And this is still an an unsolved mystery. We don't know. Well, 
we know that the atmosphere will get puffed off. What we don't know is what shape planetary nebula yeah. different stars will create. And this is going to start to explain all those crazy spirograph shapes. All right, the next one, the final image released. All right, so the final one released was from the Carina Nebula, which is, again, one of these massive uh, nebulae that can be seen uh, easily from the surface of the planet. It's a southern hemisphere object, so... Go Australia, South America, Africa. You've got you've got this one. We do not. Um, it's a gorgeous star forming region, home to the ever famous Eta Carina, which uh, lives inside the Homunculus Nebula, and will hopefully go supernova and be observed by human beings one day. Um, but JWST can't exactly observe the entire nebula. Um, Spitzer spent a great deal of time back in 2005 peering through this. Spitzer had a 0.85 meter mirror. (laughs) JWST is 6.5 meters. This means that it has roughly seven times the resolution working in similar wavelengths. What we have is a little tiny snapshot of the Mystic Mountains. And what we're seeing is an edge of this giant molecular cloud that is collapsing and fragmenting. And as it does, new stars are lighting up. We are seeing a level of detail we've never quite seen Mm. before. And what I'm really looking forward to is when we have a whole variety of these images of both Carina and the Orion star forming region that will allow us to go through and see just what do the first few million years of star formation look like in these systems. And when you look at that image, like the the stars at the top of the image are these hot blue white stars, and there's this faint blue nebulosity around them, and then there's this very clear you call the mountains, this cliff edge, this dust front where the hot radiation from the stars is blowing away the nebula, piling it up, forming new stars, but also clearing the material away from stars. And this will give us some sense of how star formation begins, but also ends. When does this material get blown away, starving the stars from any further accretion and any further growth? And it is this give and take that astronomers still don't really understand. And, and you see hundreds of new stars in this image that had never been seen before at different stages of stellar evolution. Again, each one would be its own doctoral thesis, its own research paper. And, and we will see them coming. It's, it's really an amazing shot. And the only thing that I have to say left me a little bit confuzzled. By, by the JWST image reveal, is I was fully expecting them to do something like what Spitzer and uh, some of the other telescopes have done and map the infrared to not the exact colors we would see if we were looking at these regions with an optical telescope. We, we got very used to the reds and greens of Spitzer images, and it was gorgeous. And, yeah. and then we're seeing what looks much more like the color palette used for Hubble's Pillars of Creation when we look at this. Yeah. And, and I have to keep reminding myself, well, they just shifted everything into, well, something yeah. familiar and beautiful. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's purely an aesthetic choice. I mean, the yeah. what 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 JBDOS two is really doing is just capturing images at different filters, different wavelengths of infrared light, right. and then they are assembling those different wavelengths and saying, this one is red, this one is blue, and this one is green, so that we can see it. Because we wouldn't be able to see anything. Like, literally, if it's someone, you know, you know, maybe you put your hand on a picture of JWST data, then maybe you could feel it. <laughs> but that's about it. You wouldn't be able to see it. It would just look like, like a white screen, I guess. Uh, I'd go with dark screen. It would just be a dark screen. Sure, a dark screen. Yeah. yeah. Again, you could only feel it with your hands. You could right. like hold out your hands at arm's length and just warm yourself by the glow of a of a JWST image. But they have to turn them into visible light so that we can see them. But yeah, more com- more comparisons, more showing how the the how the these images are produced would be really interesting to me or at least to be able to help explain to other people because that question comes up over and over and over again. But still, that's we got time now. We have we'll time. get there. Yeah. Well, phenomenal. Uh, what a day. What a what a week. What a decade. It's incredible <laughs> that we we got here and I think our greatest victory is that now you will name this you will say this telescope. We will talk about it. We will talk about the data. And as you said, when we come back in September, we will be all over the data results that have been coming out over the course of the over the summer. So thank you, Pamela. Thank you, Fraser. And um, I have to say thank you to all the amazing people out in our audience. Uh, My dogs in the background are also saying thank you. Uh, So thank you from everyone in our household to Felix, Goot, William Andrews, Gold, Andy Kelly, Jeff Collins, Simon Parton, Kellyanne and David Parker, Jeremy Kerwin, Stuart Mills, Rob Cuff, Harold Burdenhagen, Marco Arasi, Matthew Horstman, uh, Daniel Loosley, Philip Walker, Jim Schooler, Scott Bieber, David Gates, Nikki Lynch, Alex Cohen, Rando, the lonely and person, Kinsaya Penflienko, Scott Cohen, Paul L. Hayden, Gregory Singleton, Matthias Hayden, Justin Proctor, Niall Bruce, Disastrina, Jeff Wilson, Cooper, Tim McMacken, uh, Nate Detweiler, Omar Del Riviera, Kenneth Ryan, Alex Rain, Alan Moan. Thank you all, and I hope to see you in office hours, which will continue through the summer. But this is the last episode of Season 15. We return in September. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you in two months. (laughs) Bye-bye. Astronomy Cast is a joint product of Universe Today and the Planetary Science Institute. Astronomy Cast is released under a Creative Commons attribution license. So love it, share it, and remix it. But please credit it to our hosts, Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can get more information on today's show topic on our website, astronomycast.com. This episode was brought to you thanks to our generous patrons on Patreon. If you want to help keep this show going, please consider joining our community at patreon.com slash astronomycast. Not only do you help us pay our producers a fair wage, you will also get special access to content right in your inbox and invites to online events. We are so grateful to all of you who have joined our Patreon community already. Anyways, keep looking up. This has been AstronomyCast.
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.